God's holy word to the book of 2 Chronicles. And we're going to read several passages of Scripture. Um, 2 Chronicles at the very end of 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. In verse 22. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah from first to last, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, wrote. And Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the burial field that belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. And then if you'll turn over to the book of Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1. The vision of Isaiah the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck? Why do you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate. It is overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, 
I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. How the faithful city has become a whore. She who was full of justice, righteousness lodged in her. But now, murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your best wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and runs after gifts. They do not bring justice to the fatherless, and the widow's cause does not come to them. And therefore the Lord declares, The horde of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, uh, I will get relief from my enemies and avenge myself on my foes. I will turn my hand against you and will smelt away your dross as with lie and remove all your alloy. And I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent by righteousness. But rebels and sinners shall be broken together. And those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed, for they shall be ashamed of the oaks that you desired, and you shall blush from for the gardens that you have chosen. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers, and like a garden without water, and the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark. And both of them shall burn together with none to quench. The word that Isaiah the son of Amoz saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. For you have rejected your people, the house of Jacob, because they are full of things from the east and of fortune tellers like the Philistines. 
and they strike hands with the children of foreigners. Their land is filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So man is humbled, and each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low and the lofty pride of man shall be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low against all the cedars of Lebanon, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, and against all the lofty mountains, and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower, and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, and against all the beautiful craft. And the haughtiness of man shall be humbled. And the lofty pride of men shall be brought low. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And the idols shall, be, shall utterly pass away. And people shall enter the caves of the rocks and the holes of the ground from before the terror of the Lord. And from the splendor of his majesty when he rises to terrify the earth. In that day mankind will cast away their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, to enter the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs. And from before the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty, when he rises to terrify the earth, stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath. For of what account is he? And then over in chapter 6 of Isaiah, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is filled, the holy seed is its stump. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit now and that you would open our eyes to see your glory. And that, Lord, as we see you raising up kings, um, removing kings, um, setting new kings in their place, as we see the fickleness of men's hearts, uh, Lord, we see the need for a Savior outside of ourselves. We confess, Lord, we cannot save ourselves. And so we look to you, O Lamb of God, and beg that you, the King of kings, would come this night and that, Lord, you would grant to us humble hearts before you and hearts that are full of joy and rejoicing uh, to belong to you, Lord Jesus, and to learn from these men and women of old uh, that we might love you, O Lamb of God, and follow you, and have your smile upon us. Hear our cry and bless us now with your presence to preach your gospel to our hearts. In Jesus we pray, amen. Before we press on in chapter 27 of the book of Second Chronicles, um, I believe it would be helpful for us to look at the backdrop of the beginning of the reign of this young king, Jotham. King Uzziah, you remember, uh, had started out uh, seeking the face of God. And sort of our theme verse that we see uh, outlines either the revivals or the lack of revival in the rest of the book of Second Chronicles uh, is God's answer to Solomon's prayer in chapter 7. Uh, when I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, uh, when I cause uh, uh, the, the locusts to come to devour the land, uh, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, 
and heal their land. King Uzziah, uh, he uh, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And yet, after he had become strong, his heart was lifted up and he stumbled badly. Uh, thinking that he uh, could go into the temple and offer sacrifices himself rather than humbling himself and following what the Lord had instructed, that he needed a, a priest to go into the presence of God. Of course, uh, the glorious truth is that Jesus is our great high priest. And he has opened heaven for us. And now, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl who is trusting in Jesus has direct access into the Holy of Holies through our Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Reformation took place, there was a declaration, a, a soundbite, if you will, uh, the priesthood of all believers. And Uzziah, uh, he uh, was caught up in uh, wanting to offer praise to God, and yet he did not humble himself before the Lord. Instead of looking to the Christ through those shadows that God had provided in the Old Testament, uh, he set that aside. And he himself goes into the presence of God. The only access you and I have is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happened to Uzziah. When he became strong and his fame had spread, he was puffed up with foolish, wicked pride. Well, it was in Uzziah's reign that God raised up this mighty preacher of the gospel, the prophet Isaiah. And we see in Isaiah chapter 1 the condition of the people. Uh, even though Isaiah did what was right in God's sight, yet generally, uh, even though it was a time of outward prosperity, the Lord describes the spiritual rot uh, that was growing uh, in the nation of Israel. God refers to them in Isaiah chapter 1, uh, that their leaders were rulers of Sodom and the people were people of Gomorrah. Uh, that was not a compliment. God was rebuking these people, calling upon them to humble themselves. And Isaiah is given the joy of preaching the gospel. Yes, announcing that God would clean house and that sin would be dealt with, but offering the solution. And the solution is to look to the Christ. The solution was uh, those who had the guilt of sin. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword. Now, one of the things that we ought to learn from the book of Second Chronicles is the amazing patience of the Lord. As we see these kings uh, uh, rebelling against God, um, it is amazing how the Lord uh, withheld his hand of judgment. The Lord announced that he was going to clean house, but he also announced that yet there was a hope and a future for this people. God announced that he would smelt away their dross, that he would remove the alloy from their money, uh, that it was a reminder, a symbol, if you will, of the moral compromise that was taking place. It's a reminder to us in our day. Our money is mixed with dross. It's becoming more and more worthless. And it is an outward expression of the moral rot and decay that is taking place in the hearts of the people of this land. And yet, God announced that he would have a people who loved him. He would have a people who delighted in the Messiah. And that before history ends, the nations of the world would run and bow before the risen, exalted Lord Jesus Christ. But before that day, there was a day coming God announced when he would humble the pride of man. In Isaiah chapter 6, this arrogant king who died, in the year that King Uzziah died, God gives Isaiah an experience of himself being humbled. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, as we've read there at the end of chapter 26 of Second Chronicles, King Uzziah dies. But God is still at work. God is revealing his glory to his people. And so in verse 1 of Isaiah 6, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high, and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah was privileged to see the Lord. Now, it's easy for us to read uh, about that. Um, exactly who did Isaiah see? Well, turn with me to John chapter 12, over in the New Testament, and we have a quote from two portions of Scripture in the book of Isaiah, and you can just tuck this away 
this is just a little freebie for you uh, this evening. If you ever run into somebody who has heard the foolish lie that the book of Isaiah really wasn't written uh, by just one man, the prophet Isaiah, uh, here's just one of the places in Scripture that puts the blowtorch uh, to such nonsense. Our Lord Jesus quotes first from Isaiah chapter 53 and says, here's what the prophet Isaiah said, and then in the same passage says, and here's also another thing he said, and quotes from Isaiah chapter 6. And so the Lord Jesus declares to us that there were not multiple prophets who uh, had spoken, but there was one man. Uh, by the name of Isaiah, who was the son of Amos, uh, who was the prophet of the living God. And so we'll start reading uh, in verse um, 35. We're going to kind of jump in the middle of this just for the sake of time. Um, the Jews uh, were... Uh, denying that Jesus was the Christ, even to the point when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, they not only said that we need to get Jesus out of here, we need to kill him, they also plotted uh, to murder Lazarus because he was such a embarrassment. He was a man that uh, uh, hundreds of people had witnessed he was dead uh, and had seen this man come from death to life by the hand and power of Jesus of Nazareth. And so the Lord Jesus is addressing and he says in verse 35, so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. And though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because... He saw his glory and spoke of him. Now, who's the he uh, that uh, uh, John says Isaiah saw? Who's the he? It's Jesus, the Son of God, come in the flesh, Messiah. Isaiah said these things because he, Isaiah, saw his glory. Who's the his? Messiah. And spoke of him. Who's the him? Jesus of Nazareth. 
Messiah. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And so who did Isaiah see? He saw the Lord. He saw a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God seated upon the throne of God there in heaven. Back to Isaiah 6. Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. These seraphim, the word seraph in Hebrew literally means fire. And the seraphim, they are literally burning ones. These are angels that are flaming with fire. And they are attendants in the very presence of God. And they had six wings. With two they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. Why did they cover their face? Or even though they had never sinned, they dared not look with unveiled face at the majesty of God Almighty. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The word hosts there, the armies. God is the commander-in-chief of all the angelic hosts. And even all of the armies on the earth must do His bidding. The whole earth, and notice it doesn't say will be full of His glory, although that is true. And in the ultimate sense, when the Lord Jesus comes again and purges the universe with fire, then everyone will see uh, the glory of God clearly and plainly manifest. But even now, from the vantage point of the throne, these angels glory in God and what He is doing in the world to bring glory to his name, to save his people, and to destroy his enemies. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook, and the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Now what does Isaiah do? And notice, it doesn't say... He walked up to the Lord, slapped him on the back, and said, How you doing, good buddy? That is the arrogance of the mindset of most people who profess in this day and time. No, Isaiah and all who ever will stand before the living God are overwhelmed with his majesty. And yes, because of the mercies of Jesus, 
The book of Hebrews talks about us having confidence and boldness to come into his presence. Yes, but never because of our own righteousness. It is only because of the mercy of God clothing us with the perfect righteousness of his son. Isaiah, who was a man who spoke of the majesty of God, who was privileged to have the very word of God placed in his mouth as a prophet, as he beholds the majesty of God, here is what he does. Verse 5, And I said, Woe is me. For I am lost. I'm undone. I'm ruined. It's the picture of, of a man who is completely overwhelmed. And he falls before the living God. Confessing his unworthiness, his sin. He's overwhelmed with the holiness of God. Now turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. Jesus had 12 disciples. One betrayed him. And of those 12, there were three that Jesus would take with him to special events. Peter, James, and John. Uh, when uh, the Lord pulled the curtain back in what we call uh, the transfiguration. Um, and you can read that in the gospel accounts. It was Peter, James, and John that were there. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the disciple that was closest to Jesus, uh, who leaned back on him during the supper, the apostle John, he's referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And here in Revelation chapter 1, John sees the risen, exalted Lamb of God. And what does John do? Well, in verse 17 of Revelation chapter 1, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, and those that are, and those that are to take place after this. And he goes on giving him instruction. And so Isaiah confesses, I, I'm unglued, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me. Now seraphim don't do their own thing. Uh, the angels are servants of God doing his bidding. And so this seraphim had been instructed uh, to go to the altar there in the throne room and, and take a tongue and one of the burning coals on the altar where the sacrifices uh, were made, 
all picturing the work of the Lord Jesus. And he takes this burning coal. Isaiah, if there was anything that Isaiah would be able to possibly leverage, surely it would have been that he was a prophet. But it is at that very point that Isaiah is so keenly aware of his total unworthiness. The thing that would have been the strength, he could have said, well, I'm a prophet. And God, you have put your very word in my mouth. And yet at that very point, Isaiah becomes even more keenly aware of his need of a righteousness outside of himself. And he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. But God does not leave him in that state, just like the Lord Jesus did not leave John destroyed because of the glory of God's presence, but reached out and took him by the right hand and said, John, do not be afraid. I am your Redeemer. And here the Lord sends this burning one to touch his lips with this burning coal. Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And because of God's grace giving us a heart to repent of our sins, to turn from trusting in ourselves to trust in Jesus, the second we believe in Jesus, we are clothed with a righteousness that will stand in God's throne room, in His very presence. It is the righteousness of Christ. Our guilt is taken away. Our sin is atoned for by the work of Jesus. And He comes to defend us, to save us, to keep us, to help us, to hold on to us. In verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. Now this is striking because God doesn't say, who will go for us? Isaiah doesn't step forward and say, well, what do you, what do you want me to do? And then I'll tell you whether I'm willing to do it or not. <laughs> no, the Lord says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The triune God uh, has work and it doesn't matter what it is. The child of God who has been redeemed uh, in the blood of the Lamb, we step forward and we say, Lord, whatever it is that you want me to be and do in Christ Jesus, I'm yours. I'm your man. I'm your woman. I'm your boy. I'm your girl. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Well, the task that God had for Isaiah was not an easy task. 
And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the hearts of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And then I said, how long, O Lord? God says, I'm going to send you to a people and you're going to preach and the vast majority of them are not going to heed. And Isaiah said, well, how long is this going to go on? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away. And we're going to see that that is eventually what happens. The end of the book of Chronicles is going to record for us the judgment that God had warned His people in Deuteronomy chapter 28. You remember Solomon had referenced that passage in Leviticus 26 and the culmination of God's chastening upon His people was what? That He would displace them from the land. And they would be carried off to foreign lands until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. God is not going to destroy completely. He will judge in a severe manner, he announces. Well, that's the backdrop. And if you'll turn with me now to 2 Chronicles, we see that in the context of this God humbling, not only Uzziah, he lives as a leper to the end of his days, but here's this prophet who is humbled. Uh, And yet God restores him. And God had announced along with this message of judgment, a message of hope. Yes, sin is real, and God is going to deal with it, and yet God has a plan. God has a plan for history. There's a hope for the people of God, and that hope is in the person and work of Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, in that context, Uzziah has died, and now chapter 27, verse 1, Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, except he did not enter the temple of the Lord. And he goes, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow in the footsteps of my, my dad doing what's right, but I, I know my place. And I'm going to bow before the Lord, and I'm going to seek to honor him and follow him. But notice the next phrase. But the people still followed corrupt practices. He built the upper gate of the house of the Lord and did much building on the wall of Ophel. 
Moreover, he built cities in the hill country of Judah and forts and towers on the wooded hills. He fought with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And the Ammonites gave him that year 100 talents of silver and 10,000 cores of wheat and 10,000 of barley. The Ammonites paid him the same amount in the second and the third years. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Uh, Those who humble themselves and seek God's face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will smile, I will forgive, and I will bless. So Jotham became mighty because he ordered his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel in Judah. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. Well, guess what King Ahaz is going to do? King Ahaz is going to say, I don't need the Christ. I don't need to follow in the ways of God. And he will turn away. And the child of unbelief will come and visit God's people. You know what the child of unbelief is? Disaster. That's what unbelief always yields. And Jotham, he served the purpose of God like we read in Acts 13 about King David. He served the purpose of God in his generation and he died and was gathered to his fathers. But God was at work. And even though there were periods of unbelief and rebellion and upheaval that would come, yet the Lord was guiding history. And it would culminate on that great day when Messiah would come and purchase redemption and be raised from the dead and ascend back up into heaven and be seated at the Father's right hand. What do we learn from this? First of all, God will be praised. And may God give us soft and tender hearts to bow before this great God and love Messiah. Love our Lord Jesus Christ and give ourselves to love him and follow him according to his holy revealed will. Secondly, we want to learn from the example of King Jotham and Uzziah and Isaiah. God has recorded these Events for us so that we would learn from the positive things they did and the negative things to trust and obey Jesus. We too need to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, left to myself, I am a sinful man. Woe is me, I am undone. 
and look to the Lord Jesus Christ who alone can take our sin away. And then as we see in Isaiah and Jotham also, God calls, who will go for us? Who shall I send? And all of us, if we know the Lamb of God, we gladly step forward, even this night, and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, I am yours. I want to be yours as a husband. I want to be yours as a wife. I want to be yours as a parent. I want to be yours as a child. I want to be yours as a brother, as a sister. I want to be yours as a brother and a sister in this congregation. I want to be yours in my calling. I want to be yours in everything I do and everywhere I go to lift up your name and honor you. He is worthy. The King of kings has come and he is at work. And even though it was a dark day that God had sent Isaiah on his mission, now it is a new day. It is the day of redemption. It is the day where our Lord Jesus has sent us to capture the nations of the world with his gospel. As we read in Isaiah 2, before history ends, the nations are going to run to Jesus. And so we gladly give ourselves to this Savior. And we live by faith and not by sight. How we praise our living God, how we rejoice to be His. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You have the power to humble the proud. And Lord, all of us who have tasted of Your kindness, Lord, You have given us eyes to see that we, like Isaiah, have no righteousness in and of ourselves, but we glory in you, Lord Jesus, and we delight to be clothed in your righteousness. Oh, what a tender Savior you are to reach forth your mighty hand this night. We are like the Apostle John, and left to ourselves, Lord, we would shrink in terror and fear before your holy presence. And yet, Lord, what comfort it is for you to reach your hand and touch us by faith and lift us up by faith. And you reassure us, fear not, because of who you are and because of your perfect work of redemption that you have given to us to cleanse us and make us right with you. And so, Lord, we delight to give ourselves to you. Lord, as you call us uh, to serve you this night, 
we gladly rejoice to give ourselves to you, the risen, exalted Savior. Bless now as we sing from the heart, praise to you, and give ourselves anew to you. In Jesus we pray, amen.